Hey guys, it's Sarah Lupus Trainer here. Thanks for listening. I recently connected with a woman named Serenity on Instagram and she had commented on one of my posts when I was flaring and said, hey, I just DM'd you a song that I think might make you feel better. And so I just happened to see it and I was, I was curious. So I went in and uh, checked it and, and it was actually her song. She's a lupus warrior who's also a hip hop artist. And so I listened to it. So I love hip hop. It's one of my favorite music genres, but I typically don't cry at hip hop songs <laughs> per se. Um, but I tell you what, Serenity's song, it got me. I mean, I can hear her pain. I can hear her anger towards lupus. But at the same time, she has such a powerful and positive message in this song that I was like, this just, this has to be our theme song. So thank you, Serenity, for uh, giving us the rights to use it on the podcast. She is an amazing person. I, we're going to do her story. We're going to bring her on the podcast on a different episode, but go to, to iTunes and download it for 99 cents like I did. Here's part of her song now. Here's one of my favorite clips. So this is Serenity, aka TDB. That's also her tag on Instagram. And this single is titled Star featuring Pay Up. Enjoy. Look in the mirror, knowing every day that I'm staring at a hero, but my feelings aren't equal. Hoping that the pain I feel inside doesn't seep through and the people see serenity is the furthest thing from peaceful. It's hard to go admit we are seen as a she fool, but the master lean people gotta go through what they've been through. Like holding back tears, but we'd rather hold a pistol. When you drag across the floor, cause you refuse to be a cripple. Nobody understands, it's not that they don't want to. I don't think they can. My knowledge firsthand, from the diagnosis to the spoony book of plans to the days you're balled up in the palm of your hands. It's unfortunate, but it's not too late to strengthen up your mind. Body won't cooperate. I appreciate the days I open my eyes, even though I feel like giving up. Remember, inside that I, yeah. I am a star. Wake up early morning, give a kiss to my skull. Look up in the mirror, ask myself who I am. Gotta get back up every time that I Yeah, that's a, I know that's a big thing with Plaquenil. A lot of people um, that I've talked to in my DMs and whatever, like they're just saying that, you know, they're kind of maintaining, but they still flare and they just don't feel like the medicine's doing much because they haven't seen progress. And, right. and so they can stop it and really not feel any symptoms because I didn't. No, and like, and like you said, like, there's no symptoms for kidney failure. No. Until the until it's like you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Or until you're done, you know, if you're done, like I, I was not symptomatic. I, my doctors caught my kidney failure, my blood tests. Right. Hey y'all, this is Sarah, the, uh, the narrator. This is my narrator voice. You're gonna be able to tell the difference because then my narrator voice is like much deeper. I'm trying to like channel Morgan Freeman, James Earl Jones, like that kind of vibe going on. When I edit the podcast, sometimes I notice things that I'm like, oh, I need to explain that more. Like it's confusing. So I had said that the blood tests were what helped my doctors catch my kidney failure. It, it actually technically, the blood tests were the beginning. The blood tests were what sparked my nephrologist to tell me that I needed a kidney biopsy. So I actually got a kidney biopsy. That's how they truly can tell if you have um, what class of lupus nephritis you're in, how severe your kidney damage is, and then also what type of treatments you're going to need. So it was actually the kidney biopsy um, that caused me to um, know that I was in kidney failure and that my doctor had to call me and tell me to go to the ER. So if they hadn't done that, you easily could have. Yes, absolutely. 
slipped away. Absolutely. If I had not, yeah. And if I was still in that phase where I was off meds, not mm-hmm. going to get blood tests and going to the doctor, yep. I could have, my kidneys could have just... You could have easily died. Yeah, easily. easily. Very easily. Not even seen it coming, though. So it's hard, you know, I understand that it's hard to... It, lupus is incredibly hard to treat because it, you never know where it's going to pop up next. Mm. Or what it's or what it's going to pop up with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who, who the fuck knows? And, like, I hate to say it, but living with the flares is better than living with organ failure. Absolutely. Because once your organs fail, I mean... Absolutely. It, you can't go back to 100% on organs. You can't. My no. nephrologist told me that. She's like, once you have... We, I had an acute kidney failure. I had major damage in my... You know, the filters of my kidneys. I had, like... They call them um, moon... It's like moon-shaped holes in your filters. Right. And that's how the, the protein in blood get in your urine is because your body doesn't, you know, right. kidneys don't filter out. So you're so, always going to have protein in your urine yes. because of that. However. Yes. The highest I can get is like 80% now. Right. The corticosteroids are really for treating the flare-ups. Yes. The other medications are really just protecting the rest of your body. Yes. From lupus. Yes. And so just because like you're on plaquenil and methotrexate or any of the other drugs or whatever, you, or Humira even, um... That's protecting the rest of your body. It's not necessarily, yes. it's not necessarily saying you won't get any flare-ups. It's preventing the flare-ups from affecting your vital organs. I don't think the average lupus patient knows that, and I did not know that until recently. Yeah. And it's so and I don't think it's it's you know, I think it's hard for doctors to explain that because their yeah. their goal is to just get you healthy. I know. And sometimes if you don't if you don't ask the right questions, doctors aren't going to know that you're not grasping the full seriousness of it, the situation. You're right. There's a really big disconnect there and so. like and also like knowledge gap that needs to be, you know, filled and bridged over and like we had said before, you know, I didn't realize that my doctor has me on certain medications. I thought that my blood pressure medications were for my high blood pressure, which right. they are. I'm on two. They they are, but she also said that the, the Ramipril is a renal protectant. So I didn't realize that she chose that drug right. because it also protects my kidneys. And so, right. like, I, again, like, had missed a couple doses of my blood pressure medication. No big deal because my blood pressure, you know, I can control it. Like, a day or two is not a big deal. But that was before I realized it was also protecting my kidneys. So I was actually being right. reckless. And you also have to understand, too, is that your, your high blood pressure is caused by the kidney damage. True. And, and prednisone, too. And yeah. prednisone, too. But... yeah. So it's a, it's a cause and effect. So yeah. some medications are going to cause other medications to be necessary. And yeah. so that's where, that's where lupus can kind of get complicated. It's like, okay, well, what's, what's a side effect and what's a symptom? But, you know, you also have to understand that aside from, aside from the blood pressure medication um, protecting your kidneys, if your blood pressure is high, like consistently high blood pressure doesn't just affect your kidneys. I mean, it also affects damage your heart. It's going to damage your heart. Yeah. That's a good point. And so, and being on chemo alone weakens a lot of the arteries in your body. Yeah, I know. And so you need to, I know it sometimes it seems overwhelming because you don't want to take all these medications and blah, blah, blah. But like, realistically, I need to stop fucking around. Everybody needs to stop fucking around with our meds guys. Let's, let's, let's be, let's have some self-awareness right now because I don't think there's a single loopy I've talked to since I've started advocating that has said they've been perfect on their meds and taking them as directed every wean off prednisone, every single time you're supposed to take a morning drug, you took it in the morning, a nighttime, like, let's be real. Life happens. We forget we have brain fog. We're irresponsible with taking our meds. We absolutely are. And this is probably the single most contributing factor 
to why we flare, to why we have really bad, you know, trigger organ involvement. Like, let's be real because it's not just like, oh, I missed my meds one day, but I didn't trigger any organ involvement. I didn't have a flare. I fucking slid by. You don't realize long term, long term, what's that, what that's doing. You got away with it that one day, but just that one day. Yes, but let me tell you, when we were at the um, uh, lupus, um, one of the lupus workshops, lupus Florida workshops, um, there was a pharmacist there, and he was talking about how the biggest issue is not like drug interactions and all that. Like everyone asks about drug interactions, everyone knows about drug interactions. It's client participate. What's the word he used? Client patient responsibility. Patient. Um, what's there's a word compliance. that you compliance. Compliance. It's patient compliance is their biggest problem. And also, I realized that um, when I was they put me on hydrocortisone off of prednisone. I was like, why isn't everyone on hydrocortisone? Holy shit! This year I feel so much better on it. My face slimmed down, and I realized I was doing some research. It's because you have to take it at such precise times of the day as a therapeutic dose that. It is really dangerous if you are reckless with this drug, and I learned that. And I learned that because I I was late, I was early. I felt like I was dying when I did not take this medicine when I was supposed to take it. When I just said that about I felt like I was dying when I'm off hydrocortisone, the reason why I felt like I was dying is because I am actually adrenally insufficient, um, which is called <clears throat> it's called Addison's disease. And another name is primary adrenal insufficiency. And basically it means that your body does not produce its own stress hormones. So I was on prednisone for so long that my body became very uh, dependent on that drug. And therefore my body stopped producing its own. So I had to supplement um, with it no matter what. Like I cannot, they tried to weed me off prednisone and I couldn't come off. Like I had adrenal crash. So um, I'll end up in the ER if if I don't take those drugs. Prednisone stays in your system a lot longer. So you can miss, you know, a few hours here and there from the time you typically take it. You can miss doses and it won't be a huge deal. Um, but that is not the case with hydrocortisone. So if you are adrenally insufficient on hydrocortisone, you need to be absolutely meticulous with your scheduling of your drugs or you will pay for it. And I have several times, um, not, you know, purposely just being reckless or I slept through, you know, a time when I was supposed to get up and take it. Whatever it is, be careful, be responsible, take your drugs on time. It's not worth putting yourself and your body in that position um, and letting lupus just run rampant, all right? So anyways, that's it. Going back. Thanks for listening. And so patient compliance. If you can't, you are putting yourself in a very, very dangerous position with this disease. If you are not taking it as directed. And I know we slide by and we forget and it's like, oh, I didn't take it at night. I'll just take it in the morning. And it's fine. We get away with it. Over time... It's causing it's causing Over serious time, problems. This is going to take advantage. Absolutely, of it's holes in the in the chain. Correct. It's it's weak link in the chain of the system. And what happens is over time, even if you just miss one day here and there, once a month or whatever, lupus is a very strategic disease. It's yeah. very intelligent. It yeah. will poke holes in absolutely. your routine. You can't. Ha- yes, absolutely. You have to have all your bases covered. You have to have all your organs. You know everything like protected as far as medication wise. I mean, it is, you're absolutely right. It will, it will sneak into every little unprotected, like nook and cranny of your body. It will take over. Wow. So understand that that is a lot of these drugs. Just because you don't see progress. Right. It's still working. It's main, it's maintenance. Absolutely. It is keeping your body where it is. It is. Instead of progressively getting worse. Which, so when you stop your medication and you think everything's fine, really what you're doing is you're giving lupus a free a free ride in your body to do whatever the hell it wants which listen to me guys lupus exists to make things worse in our body lupus 
in its in its core, you know, what it is, its core definition is it is ourselves, our immune system attacking its own tissue. So we are basically in essence like allergic to ourselves. It's the point where our body feels that it has to provide an inflammatory response to literally anything it fucking feels like. You know, so it could be an inflammatory response to your kidneys. You know, it thinks your kidneys are fucked up or, you know, your joints, your skin. It's trying to push out whatever the fuck it's trying to push out through our skin. And we get these nasty, awful, painful rashes. You know, it just, it exists to make things worse. And so if we're not taking precautions to protect um, our, our tissues, our systems, our organs, everything, it's going to run rampant. And that's exactly what happened to me. Um, and I'll tell you something else. You know, it's not just missing medication that is setting you up for lupus to run rampant and it's giving it a window to wreak havoc inside your body. You are doing that every time you are having or experiencing a trauma that goes unaddressed. And that could be, I'm not even going to say trauma because trauma could be like, I think people associate trauma with extreme situations. I'm going to say stress, stressor, a stressor, a stressful situation, um, that in essence is like missing a, a dose. I think, I think just from my experiences and living with this drug for 15 years, when I have had a really, really bad, um, situation in my life that something has happened and I have pushed it down, I haven't addressed it. I have, you know, not coped with it. Well, that has opened me up for some pretty serious complications as far as my lupus and flares. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think it's just take your meds on time. Although that's, that's step one. Let's start there. That's what we can control right now, guys. We can't control the stressors in our lives. We can't control the traumas that happen to us. We can control when we take our fucking meds. Yeah. Let's be responsible. And you can control how you react to it. Right. How you react to stressors in your so, life. So start with the meds right. and then let's move on to the more complicated. Well, and I think, you know, in general, you know, diseases that can't be cured, it is all about management. And that's just not, it's not just managing the, the disease itself in your body. It's managing your lifestyle. So, you know, someone who has become accustomed to a more active lifestyle and then all of a sudden has this disease, Mm. they're still going to try and push through it. And that's just going to make them so much worse. Absolutely. So it becomes it it becomes important for the person to manage not only their physical bodies, but also their their lifestyle. You're right. right. So when we say stressors, like I think people go to, oh, okay, you know, they had a bad day at work. They got fired. They got they broke up with their girlfriend or boyfriend. We think of obvious stressors. But you're right, their own previous pre-lupus lifestyle yes. in a, of, of itself mm-hmm. could become a stressor. Yes. Very L- let's, let's take me for an example. I'm a full-time CrossFit coach. I am obsessed with training and working out. And so for me, me just going to work, running around, jumping around, yelling at people, like motivating people, being on my feet six hours a day, then having a stressor of, running a small business, having all of my income depend on that one thing. Then, you know, all these other things, like the admin side of the business, like having all the treasure, like having to pay the bills, having to pay the bills of not only my personal life, but also the business bills. Like, so in and of itself, my lifestyle yes. became Stressful. my biggest stressor yep. and just existing. I had to now adapt for that. Yes. That, that was not fun. That's going to be the topic of like six more podcast episodes because I'm still to this day fucking just, you know, like you're like, you're like drowning kind of in it almost, except now I have 
a I have a um I have floaties on my arms. <laughs> and one of the floaties is named Amy and one of the floaties is therapy um connecting with my fellow lupus warriors, sharing my story, advocating for lupus, my lupus, you know, Florida peeps and lupus foundation peeps, like my family, my friends, like my you know, all my supporters and allies like I have floaties now. And so, yes, I'm drowning and yes, I'm still gasping for air and I'm fucking flailing my arms and legs around. But you know what? My head has stayed above water. And so now I just need to find my lifeboat. (laughs) Although, honestly, let's be real. You're my lifeboat. You're my lifeboat. We're just sailing into the sunset. (laughs) Off into the sunset. God, I'm such a sap. Babe, what have you done to me? Like, I have fucking neck tattoos. I should be tough. Like, I should be fucking hard. Like, what is this? I mean, you're really big and mad. God damn. Well, we'll get there. It's a learning process. Yeah, yeah. It's a self so self-learning process okay so i guess it's like okay if you can't figure out how to swim if you're drowning you can't figure out how to swim find some floaties yeah. whatever that is it doesn't have to whatever. be it doesn't have to be a girlfriend it doesn't have to be a person it can just be a person right like find just find something that keeps you afloat that allows you to continue to try to find the lifeboat that allows you to try to sit, sail back to shore <laughs> You ain't gotta take it, it's okay to cry You ain't gotta fake it, we all going through it You can make it love, you ain't gotta take it It's okay to cry, you ain't gotta fake it We got you Babe, I had a brain fog moment today That probably exceeds all time What? Like you're gonna dump me I'm never gonna... (laughs) Unless you forgot my... Oh, no, you already forgot my name. I can't say that. <laughs> you didn't tell me yet, so if I made it past that, okay. Okay, go. Like, this is... This is, like... Like, I'm, I'm seriously concerned. Okay, so, you know, I was, like, doing the Instacart, like, groceries today. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I'm gonna, so I'm trying to, like, get us these, like... You know, I wanted to get, like, the sour cream chips and the chips. Like, see the list of all the different ones. And, like, this one said, like, sweet. And I was like, oh, they're probably, like like kind of sweet, you know, like kettle corn type of like chips or like barbecue sweet, like mesquite. I was like, Ooh, those look good. So I ordered them and (laughs) and like all the big chips come and like, it was kind of dark in the kitchen when I was like opening the bag and I wanted to try it. No, like I wanted to try it. Right. And so I'm like, I open it up and they're like kind of dark. I'm like, Ooh, I wonder if these are going to taste like this. This is so exciting. This is so fun. Like the highlight of your day. I bite into it. It's a fucking sweet potato chip. Ew. Like, it's a sweet potato. Like, what, why the fuck did I think that it was, like, a sweet potato chip? Like, it was a sweet potato chip. Babe, like, I forgot that sweet potatoes existed. Like, it showed a fucking sweet potato chip on the bag, and I forgot that they existed. Like, like I forgot that was a thing. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean... Like, am I just going to roll up to Publix and be like, what the fuck are these orange things? <laughs> like, it, like, I didn't process that that was a sweet potato chip. Like, I thought it was just... Oh, okay. So, it actually said it on Oh, the it said it. Oh, it said it. Okay, and you forgot. That and I forgot that, that was a thing that that existed. Okay, so so now now you have to be now we have these nasty ass sweet potato chips in our fucking pantry. You have to be supervised in the vegetable aisle. I was so oh, disappointed. Okay. Those are disgusting. They're not even like salty. Okay, first of all, I don't like sweet potatoes. I don't like sweet potatoes. That's at great because I don't I don't acknowledge them. So. <laughs> 
we don't believe in sweet potatoes in this relationship. Do you realize that, like, so many people are going to be upset by your saying that though like people like freak <laughs> out about sweet potatoes like, i don't no, no I, I actually don't have anything against sweet potatoes i like i like them and i will accept them i don't accept them okay so there's that <laughs> and but like i had a friend once who like anytime sweet potato fries were like on a menu that would be her substitution oh and i have I'm a like, few friends like that i should name them right now too i should call them out yeah i just i can't i can't get i can't get up behind it okay i don't like a potato shouldn't be sweet have you ever had a sweet potato from longhorn steakhouse with the butter um the no. cinnamon and the sugar and then also the brown sugar no because i don't want one okay and i refuse to budge on this that'll probably change your mind though no mm. no because remember that time that you um told me that you hated mint <laughs> and then everything that you've tried that was mint in the last like year you've liked Mm. That's not like this. I must have have lost that in the fog. Oh, okay, yeah. So let me refresh your fog. Tell me you hated something else, too, and I can't remember what it was. Everything I said I've hated, you've debunked. I know. You also said you hated monogamous relationships, and here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got me there. (laughs) You got me there, babe. Okay, in my defense... Only because I was scared that I would not be able to be a good enough girlfriend as a chronically ill partner. Okay, well, that's, I mean, that's a valid concern. Yeah, because at the time, like, I really could not do much of anything. But, you know, like, instead of saying, I hate monogamy and I'm just going to sleep with a bunch of women, you probably could have just said, listen, I'm really sick and this is a concern of mine. Did I say I was going <laughs> to I don't think I said that. I don't think I said that. No, actually, you, you gave me the exclusivity talk. I did. You that told me that we're not sleeping with anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> you signed. I me said, mine. <laughs> mine. Like, this is my life. Excuse here. me. Uh, I claim this one. <laughs> this like, is like, my human. Like, essentially, you just, like, you, you peed on me. Correct. And you peed all over Instagram. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Instagram mm-hmm. has to know now. Like, all, like, basically, if Instagram was snow, like, it's all yellow. Oh, yeah. Don't eat it, though. It's definitely not lemonade. It's definitely not frozen lemonade. I love lemonade, though. I know mm, you do. Have some in the fridge. I didn't... No, because you didn't... At first, you didn't tell me that, like, they actually said sweet potato chips yeah, on the bag. You I just said, I bought potato chips. <laughs> because I didn't want to look like a total sweet. idiot when I was telling the story, but in hindsight, I probably should have told it differently. No, you should have, because now people are going to be like... What? Well, now are there potatoes that are, like, in chip form <laughs> that are now rumors. sweet? Sorry, rumors. Like, no, yeah, you are. Okay, here. so I'm going to go ahead and back and edit this and insert this. <laughs> it says sweet potato chips. Like, it said, it said sweet potato chips, and it was orange, and it had a potato. And I processed that as... <laughs> it was a potato chip. That, that was, was sweet. sweet. And the reason why it was orange it was, is because it was, like, barbecue It was seasoned. Yes. Like, that's chips. where I was at. Okay. Okay, but it like okay, like there are seasonings that can be sweet, <laughs> right? But like, if the package literally had a sweet potato it on it, did. like, like it we need to have it serious. Orange. Like that's why we're checking your eyes. I know, I know. That's why we're checking your eyes. No, just to make sure. No, that I think it's my. I think it's my brain. I think it's my brain. I was born to be great, more than a prescription or sharing in the fate of a soldier in the grave and suffer through the tragedies. What makes us relate? The only difference is excuses, cause I gotta make a way. Gotta shine like a prism, shine through their systems, through any circumstance, still shine through their prisons. Whether behind bars or surgery scars, could be breaking down my flesh, not the will of my heart, cause I'm here. Yeah.
Hey guys, Narrator Sarah again here. Um, I'm really excited to introduce the guests in our next segment. Um, these are actually pre-recorded clips from two different meetings that I had with Amy Yalden, who is the CEO of the Lupus Foundation of America, um, Florida chapter. And Amy and the Lupus Foundation of America have their hands in everything lupus related. And let me tell you that they have some inside information that I think you guys are going to be really excited about. Um, there's a lot of hope on the horizon for us loopies, especially in regards to new treatments. And there's one drug that Amy's going to talk about that is going to be awesome for us kidney patients. So I personally am looking forward to that. Um, so enjoy these clips and thank you, Amy, for uh, joining us. I love that no longer accepting what is and pushing for what needs to be, you know, and working with the FDA because it's really hard to get a drug to... You know, yeah. to market. I listened to that teleconference you guys did on the drug research. Yeah, the whole. I mean, I had no idea. Three hundred to six hundred million just to bring a drug to market. Like, it's no yeah. wonder it's we have. Yeah, yeah. And then all the and then all the challenges with clinical trials with the patients and not having like certain demographics. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I mean, it's crazy. And then you have a glucose patient self-medicating and not taking their prednisone that can skew a trial. Yep. And so mm-hmm. you know we have to figure it out. I mean, my sister ran out of treatment options. She was on every wow. clinical trial that existed. Yeah. Really? And ran out of treatment options. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. And only she only did that because, you know, I spoke to her about the importance of clinical trials because nothing else was working in no, getting her, right. yeah. her disease in remission. And so, um, you know, she had to try other things. Um, drugs on the horizon, like new therapies, sure. new treatments. I know you guys have all the inside sure. info yeah. and gossip. We have to invite us here before the yeah. <laughs> Give me all the gossip. We're here That's the all scoop masters. Yeah. We are the scoop masters. Oh, I know Ben Alyssa is like the big... There's you know. so much more coming. Just 12, 15 years ago, there were two companies that were developing drugs for lupus. For lupus. Okay. And now there are 71. 71. 71. Everybody is throwing their hat. Wow. And that has a lot to do with advocacy of patients saying, hey, this is not sufficient for me. You know, before... Patients weren't quiet. They weren't saying anything. Mm. You know, I come from the colon cancer world. And before we started that organization, there was, it's the second leading cause of cancer deaths. And we only had one treatment option. Wow. And then people started speaking up. We started an organization and gave people an outlet to use their voice and to speak up. And now there are drugs. People with metastatic disease are living long lives. We need to do the same thing in lupus. Yeah. And because we are starting to speak up, drug companies are starting to listen. Yes. The government's starting to listen. I know. And we need to keep that up. Okay. So 71. That's hope. So what's on the horizon? Like, what are we, what what are they working on? Things that are going to attack your B cells that, you know, your B cells are attacking your, they're going to say, hey, knock it off. Stop it. Things for kidneys. There's a drug in phase three called Volcosporin. Okay. So far, they had an 85% um, remission rate for, wow. for uh, kidney patients is what the, that early data was showing. Okay, so, so we'll get phase three out and we'll see what it is. But we're talking there's new drugs that we think will come out in 1920. So we're talking close. Wow. Yep. So, so a couple years. Like, that's... Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. We're wow. going to see more and more coming out of that. More and more um, So drugs when you say down the phase pipe. three, like for those people that don't know what that means, yeah. like for a drug... Yep. So how? So phase one is when a drug they're just taste, testing it for safety to right. make sure Fine that enough. it's te- they can say. And then phase two, they're going to see how well it's working. Mm-hmm. And phase three, they're going to do it on a larger scale of people just to really see how that comes out and if it's ready to be approved. Gotcha. And so because cancer patients and lupus patients are so different, yeah. Um, we are asking the FDA. We had one of the largest patient-focused disease meetings with the FDA. Lupus did and asking the FDA to reconsider the way that they approve drugs to maybe fast-track the drugs. Oh, wow. And to do maybe smaller phase two trial, yep. like smaller phase three trials, to do more phase two trials so we can get drugs to market sooner. So that okay. because 
we need options. We I know. Need patients I know. Yeah. You know. Just, yeah. Yeah. And it's and at this disease, we have to make sure that they get this disease in remission because the more it's active, the more damage it's doing to the organs yeah. and to the body. Mm-hmm. And so we have to make sure that stories don't end up, you know, like this mother who lost her 17-year-old child and my sister who, you know, at 34 died from this disease. We have to make sure more. And as patients, I know that this disease is exhausting. Mm. I know that when you're feeling well, you don't want to think about it. And no. when you're feeling sick, you don't want to think about it. No. But we have to tell the truth of the story. And you've done such a great job. Thank you. And I tell you that when I first saw you coming up on social media and speaking, I'm like, <laughs> like this finally. Again. <laughs> no. Because you're really relating to people and you're speaking up. And I saw that in my experience with cancer patients. It was much easier for patients. And I think that you give yeah. people hope that, look, I can tell the truth of the story. And this is, and you're funny with it, and you're relatable, but then you also tell the hard truth. Yeah. You know, your July 4th post. Like, look, I'm in bed. This yeah. kicked my butt. Yeah. And today, you know, yesterday you did your little hammer thing, and I'm sure today you'll tell the truth of what that <laughs> yeah. feels like now to you yeah. today. Yep. And that's Definitely. what needs to be done. Yeah. Yep. And I think um, another thing that I, that I really need to focus on is pushing people to be, like, better advocates for themselves yes. and oh, their yes. doctors. Yes. Because I, I can't believe how many people just trust what their doctors are saying in terms of like, you know, oh, well, you know, something's not right or so or this, this drug isn't working. Well, speak up. Like, you know, you, you have to, you have to be your own advocate. You have to speak up. Our so patients have a fatigue. You know, look, when you are diagnosed with cancer, you know that you're in the fight of your life. Right. You know that you got to get rid of this cancer or it's going to kill you. Right. And right. with lupus, it's different. It, it's it's like different. It's a lifelong yeah. thing. And there's an acceptance period. There is a period of ang- you're going through all those stages of grief. And meanwhile, and then you're tired. You may have to see a rheumatologist, a nephrologist, a yeah. neurologist, um, all these doctors, and you're all just out. And you have to maintain it. And then you have to be the one that is the vessel for communicating with these doctors. Yes. End up in the ER and forget about it. That is a, a nightmare for lupus patients. Because you have to explain to the ER doc what it is. Yeah. I mean, again, my sister was in the ER two days before she died. They said nothing was wrong with her. She died of cardiovascular failure two days later. I, I really struggle to pull myself into an ER because I end up educating them on what yes. lupus is. Yes. And I know what's wrong with me. Yes. They don't. Yes. I've been mistreated so many times. Yes. Like, for the one time that my kidneys were really bad, they kept treating me for UTIs. Like, it's not UTIs. Like, I promise you. <laughs> it's not, but okay, let's do the antibiotics and have it not work again. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but as far as finding new doctors, like, I probably spend half of my time in my DMs and the messages pushing people to try to find other doctors yep. because they're not happy. They'll say, like, oh, my doctor, you know, didn't give me this drug or it's not working or I'm having side effects, but they're not going to change it. Just something is, is off and something is wrong. Yep. And there, there's excuses yeah, but, you know, I can't find anyone in my area. It takes nine months to get in with a new rheumatologist. Like, and they just quit. And some of them are really valid excuses. I and know. exhausting. I well, know. So here, back to the ER real quick. Lupus is the number five cause of readmittance in hospitals in ERs. Oh, wow. Number five of all diseases. Wow. Of all diseases. Um, so that's that. a big problem. But we mm. have to make, when I was in the cancer world, we didn't have to have a cancer-aware physician list. We have to have a lupus-aware physician list because not every wow. rheumatologist sees lupus patients. No, I know, I know. And that's a big a big problem. Right. And so it takes a lot of work. A lot of patients are calling us up and they are saying it's six to nine months till they can see a rheumatologist. And that's a problem. You have to get on the cancellation list. You may have to see another doctor that's not your favorite doctor right. just to be able to, to see. So it is, it is an issue. We need more rheumatologists. We need to fund, that's why we fund young researchers because we need yes. more doctors to go into rheumatology. Yes. More doctors that are going to treat lupus patients and that will help. 
happiest. I mean, you look in, in Naples, Florida, for instance. Yeah. I think they're down to two rheumatologists. You're kidding. Whole Southwest Florida. Yeah. So the wait time for that is probably like a year. I mean, that's so long. It's a problem, and that's one of the things because you can't get treated unless you have a diagnosis. No. So if they say if you know you have it, but you can't get in to get a diagnosis, you're going to suffer without treatment. Yep. Yep. Think about how dangerous that is. Yep. To suffer that long without treatment. They'll say go to the ER, and then we know all about the ER. And so the important thing is is make friends with the the nurse, you know, or the office manager and everything. Ask for cancellation and just say, you know, and explain to them the situation, and that's it. But it's sad that that's where we're at. I know. It's really sad. If you have Medicaid, forget about it. Really? The amount of physicians that are accepting Medicaid for our lupus patients, and a lot of our lupus patients are on Medicaid, is few and far between. And we have to have them call back Medicaid and say, there's not a doctor in 100 miles of me that is accepting Medicaid. Can you... You need to reassign me to a doctor. Wow. It's tough. It's it's real. So wow. if disease isn't tough enough. Getting diagnosed is hard. Getting treatment is even harder. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know what the solution is. Speaking up. Yeah. Well, yes, that's us. Yeah. Right. Up. Speaking up. Yeah. But speaking up. It's us telling the truth of this story. Yeah. It's telling really what this disease is. It's yeah. not hiding yeah. and saying yeah. that telling the ugly truth of what this disease is. Yeah. For a long time, I didn't speak about that. My sister died from this disease because it made people feel uncomfortable. Right. Now I speak about it. Yeah. You know, 30, yeah. 34, three kids, and she died from this disease. You know, that is the truth of this disease. Yeah. You know, the mother that I just went to, you know, whose daughter died at 17, you know, that is the truth of this disease. You're having chemotherapy, mm-hmm. you know, that is the truth. Your kidney, your kidney failure, that is the truth of this disease, yeah. what this disease does. And it doesn't stop. There no. is no, no, you know, with cancer, there's an end. You know, you're either going to die from it or you go into remission. You know, there is, an, this is, this is, there's no That's, cure, there's nothing. You know, wow. it's tough. It's it's real. So wow. if disease isn't tough enough. Getting diagnosed is hard. Getting treatment is even harder. Yeah. For people that want to get started in advocacy, like let's say they've been isolated. You know, no one knows. Now they're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to come out. I want to do what all we're all doing. We want to share our story. We want to like what? What do you guys recommend they get started? Like if they want to get involved with the Lupus Foundation, how do you recommend they get started with all that? Real simple. You go on our website and ask to sign up for advocacy alerts. Oh, okay. And so we are we are working on. We used to go to advocacy every year. Now we're going to come up to DC. Now we're doing twice a year. Okay. We're starting a lupus coalition in the state of Florida. Oh, really? Yes. Um, Sweet. To really try and move our lawmakers here Sweet. to help with lupus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and then we're doing um, district visits. So when we're not in DC, actual physical DC, that we're going to do district visits. Okay. And that is. You may be writing a letter, something as simple from your home, writing a letter yeah. or visiting a local district office, or if you can't, sending them, and they, we will walk you through exactly right. how to do that. Right. We will create the letter and the template for you, and you just add in a part of your story. And wow. sharing your story like you're doing on social yep. media, that yep. is making a difference. Yeah. Sharing your story and talking about these, because what you have done is make other people feel comfortable to come out yes. and talk about this disease and that they're not alone, because... Because people are uneducated about this disease, it makes people feel so alone and isolated. Yes. And it's from their own family a lot of Absolutely. times. And yep. if there's someone else that's brave enough, like you've been brave enough, to stand up and say, this is the truth of this ugly disease, and talk about it and deliver it with humor and, and realness and rawness, it makes people feel comfortable. And when we lit up a building, people were so stinking excited. Wait, you're doing that for me? Yeah. That little thing yep. are the things that we need to do to give people hope. And the more we speak about it and the more that we create this girl gang or this you know yeah. of people yeah. who have this disease and say no more I'm not going to accept this anymore like there's too many of us to accept this there's too many yeah. of us who have been affected by this whether it's our loved ones 
ourselves to accept this any longer. I think that's one of the most rewarding parts about sharing it because it is scary and it is being vulnerable. It's yeah. not, I mean, yeah. I was a very, very private person. My social media was locked down before, yeah. really, like yeah. not even like relation. I mean, it was locked down. So this is very uncomfortable for me. But the fact that literally every day I get people messaging me saying, you make lupus not so scary. You make me laugh every day. Yep. You know, you make me like more comfortable to talk to my family. I can yep. show them your yep. video exactly. that yeah. says when I was sitting out here and I was explaining what lupus feels like. When I said like it feels like yeah. you have the flu. Yeah. They're like, I literally said that to my family word for word and they didn't believe me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I showed them your video. Yep. And like, oh, are we both yeah. lying? Like, yeah. no. Yeah. Like, but... <laughs> So yeah. the fact that it just makes it easy to, for me to do it now. Exactly. And it's just nonstop motivation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably one of the best parts of all this is, is be ha- making people more comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, what's the Lupus Coalition? What's that going to be? So we are working on, so one of the groups is the health department. Okay. And um, they are going to put lupus information in every single health department throughout. And then oh, they wow. also have a school program where they're talking about educating school nurses about lupus. Oh, my God. Yes. And Thank so you. that way, yes. if... There's a child that has lupus. The school will have an understanding. Or if there's a child that parent has lupus, yeah, there's an understanding. We need to start educating kids, families, this what this disease and how many people it impacts, and colleagues, you know, so that way when these kids become coworkers or um, or they become bosses, that they have an understanding of what workplace understanding. I mean, the, most people don't come out because they want to tell their job that they have the disease yes. because they're afraid that they're going to be let go. Yep. They're afraid that they're going to be discriminated against and everything. Yep. And if they were diagnosed with cancer, I mean, maybe at the beginning, they would be afraid to tell if they were looking for a job. But ongoing, they would be honest. And their coworkers no. would rally and everything. But this disease, you know, scares people. So Because they don't understand. It's so misunderstood. Yeah. Yep. And we are so good at, like, hiding and, and just faking, like, so good. Yeah. I mean, just there's so adaptation. many things that I think of, adaptation, that we do to hide, that we don't even realize that we do anymore because it just, it's every day. It's just, like, normalcy. Yeah. And then we're not talking about it. They're hiding in their homes. They're not coming, you know, yeah. and talking about it because people just don't understand. How exhausting is it? Oh. Like, if you say I'm diagnosed with cancer, there's an understanding, and there's that automatic yeah. empathy. And I always yes. say this, that, you know, my grandmother has non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Okay. Was diagnosed long after Aaron was diagnosed. Okay. Um, and she was receiving the same treatment that my sister was receiving. Wow. And so here's my grandmother's church making food, preparing meals, helping her out, running errands. My sister was working full time wow. as an ESC specialist for Broward Schools, had three boys, and nobody offered a thing because they didn't understand. They don't understand. And that's our job, not LFA. Like every single person like me who's been impacted by this disease, who's, I've lost a loved one, yeah. you have the disease, it's our job. We need to stop hiding. Yeah. And I know it yes. I know people have the time to accept and learn, but there's no time. There's you can't afford to yeah. have any more time where you, you know, where we're, you're not talking about this because you're on chemo now. Your kidneys have been involved. Yeah. Or there's a sense of urgency that we all there need is. to have. There really is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was shocked by how many people, even like mo- mothers, that hide it from their children. Even. Yep. Yep. Like we, when Lauren, my friend Lauren, was getting her tattoo, he was like, the tattoo artist was like, "Yeah, my mom is with this, but like, I don't really know anything about it, and I don't even really know like what she goes yep. through because she doesn't tell yep. me or she and she hides it." Yeah. Yep. Like, he had no clue. Yep. So I'm going through, and I'm educating yep. him. He's like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, yeah. he's like, my mom acts way tougher than, yeah. like, yeah. she doesn't show me any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy to me. That was my sister. She worked full time, 
my boy, three kids, you know, my nephews, said? yeah, three wow. boys who played every single sport that oh exists. I mean, gosh. there was a ball they were bouncing it or throwing it. So practices you know, all, all the time. Practices all the time. And she made it look like, and she would need a nap. We used to make fun of her, you know, that she would need a nap. Oh, it's her nap time. She'd be in the car and she'd take a nap, you know, or she used to call herself Dory because her forgetfulness, yeah. you know, lupus fog. Yep. And she called herself Dory. And it became, you know, something that just became part of our lives and not really understanding what it took to get her work full time, come home, dinner, take the boys to practice, go to their game, how much that really took out of her. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. As a family, we didn't know. Yeah. also i just get so excited when you're here <laughs> my body can't handle it <laughs> like it seriously can't handle it it's too much it's too much excitement like i have to be like okay calm down <laughs> it's okay yeah plus i get turned on like every five seconds well i mean i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> but i'm not <laughs> so what was i saying babe? oh the excitement i just like it's uh, my body just gets too it's too much energy and sorry baby it's okay you're like i'm sorry i just turn you on all the time I try to be less sexy Mm-hmm. <laughs> keep my pants on. You really can't turn it off, though. <laughs> it's just you. Drinking coffee is like my fave. Also headbutting. <laughs> <laughs> which, which you did during the podcast, and I didn't even... It, I played it totally cool, but you headbutted me. Oh, no, it wasn't during the podcast, was it? Mm-mm. When was it? After sex. <laughs> even better. <laughs> How romantic. <laughs> I, I know you usually have a headache after sex, but here's a headbutt. <laughs> I don't do it on purpose. Maybe I know. We were looking at the photo. That's what it was. Yeah, we that's were looking what at it the was. photo, and yeah. we like both went. We went in, <laughs> as we always do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the best part about today, babe? What? I don't think I have to leave. <gasps> For real? Well, I mean, I have to leave like at some point. No, don't no, leave. <laughs> Never. Nope. Well, not all day, but till like the morning's over. <laughs> So like the afternoon. So yes. what do they call that? What do they call that when the morning's over? Oh yeah, the afternoon. <laughs> oh baby, that just made my whole fucking like. Now you're even more excited. Yeah, because I thought I was. This was like we were starting to say goodbye, you know, like the coffee, and then. Oh, I hate that. I know it's the worst. I know. Oh uh, babe. What? This is my kind of party. Oh my god, this is my kind of party. Oh my god, it's so weird. Fuck. Your feetsies cold? Nope. Hey, remember that time in the middle of the night you <laughs> ran your foot up my leg and I was like, babe, why are your feet ice cold? And you're like, um, so here's the thing. Um, they're not. They're on a heating pad and they're like super hot. So what the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, oh, that's my bad leg. I, I one of my legs I have 50% sensation in because I lost it during back surgery. So... Like, when someone touches it, it doesn't feel like it's right. It's not right. Like, someone could probably stab me and it wouldn't hurt. But when you touch it, the temperature gauge, like, it's not right. Like, I, it felt cold to me. 
even though it was hot. <laughs> That was so funny. Jesus. I was like, so I feel like if my right leg was on fire, I would not know. Like, I wonder if my leg was on fire, if it would feel cold. Can we Do you want to try it? <laughs> Go get a lighter. <laughs> I have like a candlestick lighter though. I mean like a candle lighter. What's it? What is called? A lighter. You're no, I know, but what's, but like, like on the extended tip lighter. Why do you have to say tip? <laughs> An extended shaft lighter? No, of course. It's An extended hard. penis lighter? <laughs> Dicks. <laughs> it's a dick lighter. <laughs> Again, can't have a live podcast. <laughs> you get lost. You could get lost in a paper bag. I'm really, really bad at directions. Um, which is part brain fog and part, I think, genetics. I would love to bring it on blame for... Uh, b- b- whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, come on, brain. 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 Excuse me. Brain, Sarah's brain. We're podcasting right now. Um, can we get it together, please? Okay, thanks. <laughs> what, what was I saying? <laughs> I'm sorry. We all going through it. You can make it love. You ain't gotta take it. It's okay to cry. You ain't gotta fake it. We got you.